0: You're listening to, to the Show We Go Baseball Podcast.
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode 64 of the Show We Go. we got Chris Enrique and myself, Andrew Parker. It's the uh, Jake Furry episode. Um, if you don't hey. know who that is... He spent some time uh, with the Red Sox, Woo Sox last year. Um, Obviously been around the league for a little bit. Obviously had some time with Tampa a few years back. Um, And, you know, he's probably one of the guys that me and Chris um, probably talked to the most this past year. I know there were some other guys, obviously, like Suge and and Broadway and a bunch of Nick Sogard. Obviously, the, the locker room was pretty good, but... Jake we have not gotten to speak to you in a while since uh, being released over the the during the season but I wanted to ask you you know you you left the Woo sox you go into free agency I guess what was the the process like and I guess how have things been since
0: uh, you left the Red Sox so well, I got let go and uh, the difference between the different for me this year the difference between getting let go this last season and getting let go this previous season was the previous season I was not like I wasn't throwing well and I wasn't anywhere near where I wanted to be like physically like I wasn't throwing well and I was like throwing in a way that I didn't want to throw right like throwing pitches I didn't want to throw throwing pitches in a certain situation that I didn't like it just wasn't it didn't work it didn't go well this year I got let go I was throw like physically I felt great and I feel like I was like, if I had just, if I kept going in the way that I was going, it would have, my season would have you know, turned around. It would have ended up pretty well. Um, you know, like everything was working the way I wanted it to. I was, you know, I felt really good. So getting released this year was like, Hey, I like last year or 2022. When I got released, I was like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to like hit a reset button. I'm going to get back to like my old way. And then I'll start reaching out to teams and like, Hey, like here's some numbers, whatever this year it was like, got released. And it was immediately my agent was like, don't go anywhere. Don't leave Worcester. Like, um, I had, he had teams that were like, Hey, cause it was right around the trade deadline. So he had teams that are like the blue Jays were one, they were like, Hey, you know, there's a chance we're in, we're in the, we're in the market for some stuff. If these things happen, we're going to need arms. We'll bring Jake on. So, and then, but I mean, obviously Buffalo's really close by. So he's like, don't go to Vegas and then have to fly back to Buffalo. Those moves didn't work out. So that, that didn't happen, but he was like still talking to teams. And every team that we talked to was like, we'd love to bring him on. We need arms. Like his stuff looks way better than it did last year. We just don't have the room. Like the trade deadline's over. We don't have the space for him. So unless we get rid of somebody or something, we just have the space for them now. Like, because I think baseball the, the cap on the cap on players is it's like hundred and eighty something guys in the organization. Whereas like when I first got drafted, the Rays had like three hundred dudes in the minor league. Like, you know, we had seven teams in the U.S. You could have as many guys as you wanted on the, D- on the DL. Like, it was it was the wild west. So you could you know you could bring on as many people as you wanted. Now it's not so easy. So the teams are like, we don't have the space. So I stayed ready. I came home. I was still on bullpens. I was still like 94, 95. Everything looked fantastic. Um, And then once September hit, when when you get into September, teams just stop. They pretty much, unless you're like have recent big league experience, like within the last like month or so, you know, week to a month, they just stop signing people because. If you're not in the organization in in September, you're not eligible for the postseason. So teams just mm. they they hit a they hit a, a a pause button on signing guys. So as soon as September hit, I shut it down. I gave myself a break for about two weeks, um, and then I got back going. I, I started throwing again. Um, yeah, I stayed ready until about September first, like that first week, and then uh, I shut it down.
1: And so. Now that the official off season, obviously, so like mm-hmm. after that period of like obviously you know got they're not adding guys anymore. But then when you get to the point of teams obviously sign, uh, free agency period starts, mm-hmm. um, was it? I, I guess like how was the activity? Like I, I know that the market's a little slower. Obviously, there's a lot of guys that are still left on sign. I I, I keep checking, and I thought it was. I think it was like only only fifty percent of the guys were signed as of like two weeks yeah. ago or whatever. So. Um, What has it been like? I guess now that the official
0: like free agency is here, it was slow in the beginning, just because. So how minor league free agency works is, it's kind of the opposite of big league free agency. Like, obviously, like Shohei is like the unicorn. Like he was going to sign before anybody, right? But what happens is, big league free agency, you have a lot of like smaller free agents that sign early, right? The guys that are getting One to five million, like they're not, you know, they're the smaller one-year deals, right? They sign pretty early. The big-time free agents typically sign a little later, right? Their their contracts are more extensive, all that. Minor league free agency is the opposite. Their big-time minor league free agents sign super early. Um, so like, you have like you have like tiers of minor league free agency. You have like your tier one guys are going to be the guys that sign within the first month of minor league free agency. Then you have your tier two guys and your tier three guys who are kind of like the tier two are the fillers. And then the tier three are like, okay, we didn't get our filler. We're going to go and get the next guy. Right. My, the first couple of years that I was a minor league free agent, I was a tier one guy. I was still a recent big league experience. Like I was still throwing really, really like, I was still throwing pretty well. So I signed super early. Like I signed with the angels like the first month or month and a half of minor league free agency. Right. So, the twins took a little bit longer because of the lockout, but like, I still signed relatively early. Um, now I'm kind of in like the next tier of like, okay, they're going to go out and get their guys. And then whoever they, if, whatever room is left and they need somebody to fill in and, and see how they shake out, I'm that guy. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. And like you said, there's a ton of bigger, bigger free agents that still haven't signed. There's a ton of like tier one minor league, <clears throat> minor league free agents that haven't signed yet either. Um, so it's just taking a little longer. Uh, I had, and the other thing too is last year when I signed with Boston, I signed after a pro day. Um, I went through in front of all the teams. I signed with the Red Sox about two weeks later. So I think a lot of teams were in the same thing of this year was like, we want to see him throw in a pro day, see how he looks, and then we'll go from there. So that's that's what it was. It was like a couple of teams were like, hey, we're going to go see him in January in North Carolina because I, I, I throw at Trout Athletics in North Carolina. So I, they're like, we're going to go see him at Tread, and we'll go from there. So that was about a month ago, and I've 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 talked to a few teams since then. Um, so some things are picking up, but it's it's still just the nature of free agency this year is just really really slow.
2: Do you um, you get the sense though that free agency is really going to start to change though. Cause like to your point, you were kind of breaking down the tiers and how it's working for minor league players. It, it almost seems like if you're either not a superstar or to your point, that one to $5 million a year player, everybody else is, it's like, it's like a big time dogfight fight now to, to, to secure a job. Yeah. So that's what it looks like from like our perspective. I, I just was curious if that's what it maybe feels like now.
0: Yeah. I think, I, it all started. If you look back five, six, seven years ago, that's when it kind of started to shift a little bit. Where you'd have like, I remember 2017. I played with Tommy Hunter, right? And he was a minor league, minor league free agent. Made the team out of spring training, had an amazing season, and then signed a two-year, like 18 million dollar deal, right? You don't really have those guys that are signing, like they're veterans that are signing the the multi-year, 10 to you know, eight to $10 million a year deal. It's like, you don't have those mid range free agents anymore. It's either like the really quality free agent that we can get for a year or two. That's going to make three or 4 million a year, or you're going out and you're getting Josh Hader for 20 million a year. Um, You know, like it's the, the guys in the middle, their, their job is being done by committee, right? You're, Hey, we're going to get this rookie to come in and do the job well for a month. And then as soon as he starts to struggle, we'll bring up another guy to do the job for the next month. And it's like, coming up with Tampa that was normal to me because that's just like we were a smaller market we had to piece things together and it was they've been successful doing it that way so I think a lot of other teams are just kind of following suit and just saying like hey there's certain jobs that can't get done by this guy right like younger guys just can't we're not gonna entrust this job to them we're gonna get an older free agent that can go out and you know get this done and then the, the stuff in the middle will fill in with the young guys
2: yeah it's It's definitely the because you see, like, for example, like for us, you know, with covering like the socks and things like that, they make Mm -hmm. they make a lot of these wide-range moves, a lot of you know, versatile infielders, and you get you know, fans you know, blowback of why do they need another catcher? Why did another in it? But it's to your point. It's there are some guys that are gonna be probably part of the equation six weeks. That kind of caps off. You got on to the next, and it's just kind of how the rosters are being built. It's definitely you know, for like me, like I, I kind of stay super in tune to like the roster constructions and how teams do it. And it it just, it seems like a lot of people are trying to copy that race format or even like the Dodgers Mm -hmm. piece, but it's starting to, it's from like a, just take away from like covering the team, like from a fan side of it to see guys like, like we're at right now, a guy like Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell are still unsigned. You know what I mean? They're literally what? Less than three, four days from when dudes are going to start reporting. And to me, that's Mm. crazy. Like, how do you, I mean, you know, you're going to get a job, but like, you went all off season. I'm sure there's various reasons as to why that is remaining the way that it is. Right. It's crazy just how it's shifted so much in the last five
0: years. Yeah. It's just, it's nuts. I mean, I was, I just remember like being with Tampa, like when Blake won his first Cy Young. And it was like he won. He came into spring training the next year, and pretty quickly, it was like three weeks. It was like the raise like through money, like threw a huge that big extension. It was like five years, fifty like fifty million or something like that, right? Where it was like that was extremely like the Cy Young is what pushed it over the edge, right? It's what got him paid. Whereas like this year, it seems to be like okay, like a lot of what I see is like yeah, he's got two Cy Youngs, but there's everybody's saying like there's underlying things that like keep people from pulling the trigger. And it's like, I don't like, to me, like underlying stuff doesn't matter when you go out and you put up a 200, like, I don't, he had what, 180 or something. I don't know how many innings he had this year, but like you have a two ERA, like underlying stuff doesn't matter when you're going out and you're getting the job done at the end of the day. Like, I don't know. It's just the, I don't know. The free agency is just crazy right now. The way that they're handling Everybody, I mean, there's a ton of big, big market guys that are, you know, Liam Hendricks is on sign. Like, I, I, yeah, I think he's a free agent still, isn't he? Like, yeah, one of the best closers in the lo- one of the best relief pitchers the last, you know, you know, five plus years. He's, you know, there's no reason why he should be a free agent, but just the way that it's working right now is just kind, of, it's just weird.
2: Yeah, 180 innings on the dot for him, and led okay. the with with the least amount of walks at 99. Just so two, two, five ERA 14 and nine. I know, I know people are like, ah, wins. You guys look at wins still. I know like, it's still a thing. It's not like, you know, whatever, but still two times. So you award winner. Doesn't have a job yet. I just think it's nuts.
0: Right. It's just, it's, it's, it's weird. Um, you know, and it was just one of those years where he was really, really good. And like you said, some people still look at wins. Okay, yeah, 2020 or 2018 when he won, he had he had 20 wins, but we were in Tampa. We were on a, we we won 90 games that year. You know, like, you know, so it's just some things don't really add. Like, they're not a huge part of the equation. You know, he still won double-digit games. Like, he still you know still had a good season. So, I don't know. It's just crazy how things are are shaking out right now.
1: I want to kick it back to you and
0: uh, I guess the 2023 year.
1: Um, I just took a peek of this and your usage was like all over the place. I think you started mm-hmm. off as a reliever and then they had you start some games. They stretch you out a little bit, start some games. Then you went back to the bullpen. Then you went back to starter and then you got called up. Then you went back to the bullpen. Once you got back to Worcester, it's like, Did that Mm -hmm. like uh how how was that just, did it affect you at all? Like just having to do like, you know, stretch out and have to go back to the bullpen type thing. Like, did that affect
0: you at all? So that's actually such a good question because it, that's part of the reason why the last couple of years have gone the way that they've gone is because coming up with Tampa, I was a starter 90, like 99% of my career at the Rays I was a starter. I like, Really early in my career, I got hurt, by, like a minor thing. So they put me in the pen to, just to like limit my innings. And then when I got to the big leagues, a little bit of a little bit of time in the pen. Um, but I've always I'd always told myself like I'm a starter. I want to be a starter. I want to do this. Well then, I get moved to the pen, and I like 2019. I get moved to the pen. I start throwing really well out of the pen in Durham. Like I had a month in Durham. I think I gave it, like one run. I struck out like 30 dudes in a month. Like it was like. I was leading, I was leading the team in Durham in strikeouts out of the pen. Like it was nuts. The minute I have a bad game, it's like, <clears throat> I can't do this. I don't like throwing out of the pen. It's like a month of great games. The minute I have a tough outing, I'm like, I want to be a starter again. I can't do this. Right. But then I go to a, being a starter. I have four, four great innings. And then the fifth inning comes and it's like, okay, I give up a couple runs. My outing's over. And I'm like, I like being in the pen because I can go two innings in my days. So, like, it's almost like I put up a block of like going out there and being really good out of the, like at either one, you know, because I'm like, just when it comes down to it is like making up an excuse of like, this is why I didn't throw well. So this year that messed with me a lot because like <clears throat> my big thing coming into spring training was like, I'm just happy to have a job, I'm really grateful to have an opportunity. And the minute that I started like, it's like my second or third game of the year in Worcester that I had a tough outing out of the pen. I tell myself like, I'm not a reliever. Like I can't do like. It went away from me like, I'm grateful for the opportunities go out there and work hard and take advantage of whatever opportunities you get. It was like, okay, I'm here. I don't. I can't do this. Like I'm. A, I'm good at this part, right? But then I got the opportunity to do to start, and as soon as I had a tough outing there, I was like. Well, in the pennant, I go, like one, it was the same thing. It was bouncing back and forth of, like, finding reasons why things didn't go well instead of just, like, embracing whatever it is and just running with it. Um, so that was a big struggle this year of, like, I get a little, a little bit of traction. That was one of the reasons, too, this year in the big leagues that it didn't go – like, my one game in the big leagues didn't go well is because I got called up as a starter. They didn't tell me I was going to start, so this is not anything on the Red Sox at all. I get called up. I had been starting in triple-A, in throwing, like, throwing relatively well, especially leading up to that point. I'd had a few really good outings. And then I go to the big leagues. We had two bullpen days the day after I pitched. So I was like, oh, I'm here. I'm stretched out the six innings. Maybe I'll just start in Oakland. Like, telling myself, like, there's no reason why I would come out of a pen today. Like, the phone rings. It's me. I'm not prepared at all to pitch. I was just like, I figured like, like I was just going to be there. Right. And then while it's happening, while the game is not going well, I'm telling myself, well, I was, I should have been starting tomorrow anyway. I shouldn't even be in this. Like, it was just like telling myself, okay, this is why it's not going well. So whatever. Um, instead, Instead of just like, Hey, you're here, you're in, your cleats are on, you're in uniform, be ready to get the ball whenever they call. That's not how I had it at all. And I ended up throwing like crap, you know? So it was, I made it hard on myself this year going back and forth to both.
1: Is that, um, I'm, I'm going to get to, I want to follow up on that. Um, but there, there is one thing that has been a reoccurring theme on this podcast. Um, we, we've had a lot of the guys that were in Worcester come on uh, previously mm-hmm. before you and, uh, you know, guys ranging from, you know, your throwing partner, Broadway to Chase Sugar to, Uh, you know, Stephen Scott, you know, just the names go down the list of that whole clubhouse pretty much. And a lot of them said the same thing in regards to being, having the ability to be around a guy like you, Greg Allen, Nico Goodrum, like the, just the way that you guys set that locker room from the start of the the year and let some of those younger guys kind of come into themselves. Like, I don't think you understand like how big that was for a lot of the guys that were in there, but my question would be like, how did you embrace, I guess, being like the guy, like the veteran guy that a lot of the guys in the room were like, okay, I'm going to look at Jake Faria for like either answers or like how to conduct
0: myself. Um, I, I think just like having been through every, every other than major league free agency, I've been through every single thing in baseball that you can go through. Um, and my biggest thing was I had guys, when I look back, I had guys like that in, in the clubhouse when I was first in AAA, like 2016, I had Dana Eveland, who like been around the league for a long time, been on a lot of different teams, same, had been through every single transaction, had been a really big guy in the big leagues, and then had been a non-roster invite who made the team out of spring. Like he'd been through everything and we were actually, we were actually locker neighbors in AAA in 2016. And he was a guy that like I could go to for anything and never made me feel bad about, uh, any question that I had. No, you know, no question was a bad question. Um, and that helped me prepare for the year, like the time that I was in the big leagues, you know, 2017 spring training, Tommy, Hunt, we'll go back to Tommy. He was my locker neighbor in spring training. And it was the same thing of like, he would talk about like, when he was a rookie, this is how things were. And this is where they saw changes needed to be made. And he, was a part of making those changes and so i just i had those guys around me when i was coming up and it made my life easier uh once i actually got to the big leagues and the old like a really old school way is like let guys go through it on their own like let them get there and just walk through fire on their own and see how they come out and i'm not a huge proponent of like hey come up and just you're a rookie you run the clubhouse like i'm not a huge proponent of that like you got to earn your stripes you got to like stuff like that but i'm also not a huge proponent of making it to where they can't come in and perform either right like i i i, I don't want to see guys come in and they have a ton of promise but because certain there's a certain culture in a clubhouse they can't be themselves to a certain extent and then they don't perform you know, so it's like, I want to make it easy enough for them to go up, do certain things that they are expected to do as a rookie, but also be able to be themselves so that they can do well and they can stick, you know? So it's like, I want to help guys get to that point before they get to the big leagues. So when they get there, it's not much easier for them.
1: Yeah, because uh, I, I was, I wasn't surprised, but it was, I guess, a little eye-opening because, you know, I, I know that you know, and I've talked to you and I've, you know, and I've talked to Taylor just about like, you know, you showing him pitch scripts and all that stuff. Like I understand like your impact on him, but then when I heard it from guys that maybe didn't even, well, I'm not going to say they didn't talk to you, but it's like, they didn't really have like, you know, like when, when Nick Sogard goes out of his way and says, yeah, like having guys like Faria and Palka and, you know, guys that had the MLB experience like that was meant to tons of that locker room, like just with some of the younger guys having somebody to look up to. So I didn't, I, I guess I didn't fully realize the entire locker room impact until I heard it a few times. I've been like, Oh, like,
0: you know, you weren't yeah. showing
1: Nick Sogard pitch grips, you know what I'm saying? Like
0: it,
2: it, it's well, entire, the good right. thing
0: about that clubhouse too, is that I've been in clubhouses where the pitchers are, are on one side and the hitters on the other side. Right. Like not even with the, how the locker room is set up, but like they just don't like, you just don't mingle like, Position players and pitchers just didn't mingle, really. And uh, this year, it wasn't like that. Like, the whole team hung out away from the field. We all, like, everybody got along really, really well. Like, I mean, you saw, like, we played ping pong. Everybody's playing against each other, whether you're really good or you're really bad. Like, it was... Sorry, my wife's getting water. Um, Okay. (laughs) Uh, It was just a really, really tight-knit group that, you know, like, when I got, like, when I got let go, I even told my wife, I said, look, like, I understand I'm getting let go because there's a lot of factors I'm not throwing. Like my numbers aren't amazing. They're bringing in younger guys. They trade for guys. So I was upset to get let go, but more so because like I genuinely enjoyed being around that group from the players to the trainers, to the coaching staff. Like I really enjoyed being in that clubhouse. So like it made being an older guy and they like, it made it that much easier to just go out and just do those things like Sogi and all those guys are saying, you know, like just be that older guy. They're very open to hearing what we have to say. And so that clubhouse made it really easy to do those things. How was,
1: uh? I want to know your experience under, uh. I, how was your experience
0: with Paul Abbott? I love Abby. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because in spring training, he he act like he gravitated to me in spring training just because we we had a similar path. We both got to the big leagues really, really young. Um, then we'd had a couple of years in the middle where things didn't go great. He had a five like I think he said he had like five years where he did not pitch in the big leagues at all. And then he you know was healthy, and then he pitched the next seven years in the big leagues. Like we had a pretty like we kind of built a relationship with spring training. And then early in the season, because of my experience the year before of like a team trying to get me to do something new that I didn't necessarily want to try, but try it anyway, and then it backfired on me. I was super hesitant to try anything new, whether it was a new bullpen routine or a new grip. And me and Abby, like we worked through, like we kind of just like worked through that, chiseled through that. And we ended up having a really good relationship you know, by the time I got let go,
1: and I have to ask because me and Chris just uh, went to this celebration a couple weeks ago. But have you ever seen a guy that a whole city, like a minor league baseball city, gravitate to like they do did for Ryan Fitzgerald?
0: <laughs> um, no, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Uh, you know, and I, I played in Durham where, like, Durham is a huge minor league baseball city. Um, you know, never – St. Paul, where, like, you had, like – St. Paul, like, you would think that they would be huge into the – into certain players or whatever. I've never seen a city, a minor league city, rally around uh, a guy like they did with Spitzy this year. Like, the last – like, and I know in, his, in previous years, too, like his time in Worcester is insane, like insane to see just because like having been around baseball as long as I've been around it, like I've never seen that before. So it's really like, it's pretty cool. You know, he had his own, his own merch and everything. It was pretty, pretty wild. And got a
1: key to the city. He, uh, right. they even had a, uh, they had a going away like party a couple weeks ago. I mean, he's been on the Royals since the rule five draft and, he was still yeah. in Worcester and they were like, you know, they had like a Q and a with like season ticket
0: holders. I'm like, I don't think I've yeah, ever, no, ever like, seen this. We, me and my wife saw it and we were like, he's with the Royals. I don't know if he should be wearing his Worcester Jersey. Like, but it was, it was really cool. Like, uh, you know, 50's a good dude and he's a charismatic guy. And, you know, I know that he, it was, I know that he genuinely like cared for the fans and for the people in Worcester and for Red Sox fans in general, like, um, you know, so it was really, it was really cool to see.
1: Jake, I have a speed run of questions here. That's probably okay. going to go a little over five minutes, even though I, I call it a speed run, but it just gets <laughs> out of hand sometimes. They're just very <laughs> random, non-baseball. Okay. Um, if you're, if you're ready for it. All right. All right. Let's start this thing out. Chris, you can start the timer. I don't care you about did. this one.
2: Three, four seconds.
1: Uh, all right movies shows or live tv shows best game you've ever played in like base like yeah most memorable game you've ever been a part of like professional mm-hmm. college high school like i don't care what what level it is
0: uh probably 20 it's a it's a it's a close it's close, but probably 2018, I went eight shutout out against Detroit. In Detroit.
1: Ooh, okay. Now, this question here. What song, if you had a walkout song for 2024, what would it be?
0: Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking about just going, I've changed it up so many times over the years. I'm just thinking about going back to my original, um, it's a Metallica. Sad but true. I'm
1: Metallica. Okay, we're getting a lot of that genre, Chris. I think when we ask that question, which I like. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to modify this because uh, y- you know you're you're an old vet now, but I'm, you're only a year <laughs> older than me. But um, by the age of 35, you want to have mm-hmm. accomplished
0: what? Um, I would like to be. A dad by then. (laughs) I'd love to have at least one by then. Uh, That's the biggest one. There's like nothing else in the world that I'd rather do. I don't care about how baseball shakes out. I just, I'd love to just by then have, you know, start growing a family.
1: If there was one rule in the MLB or the minors that you could
0: change, what would it be? Pitch clock. Get the, get rid of it. Can't stand it. It's our second in a row on that one. Yep. Uh, Who was the last one? uh, Nick Nick
1: Mears Mears with Colorado. Yeah, I want uh, that.
0: I want it gone.
1: It's actually kind of funny because he says, guys, I got to run 300 feet to the mound from right field in elevation out in Denver. I'm gassed when I get there. Then the clock's already ticking. It's like I need to catch my breath, and the clock's already 2019,
0: I ran in from the bullpen with the Brewers in Colorado, and I had to bend over on my knees and catch my breath. Like (laughs) – It was horrible. Like it's, it takes a lot of, it takes some getting used to.
1: Yeah. So he said, maybe in Colorado we should, you know, take it up a little bit, just, just for that. But all right. Favorite favorite athlete outside of baseball.
0: Favorite athlete outside of baseball. Kobe Bryant. Can't argue with that. Yeah. He reigns king in this house. Okay. My wife's a lifelong Lakers fan. Oh,
1: that helps too. All right, you said you're a show guy. I need your favorite TV show of all time.
0: The Office. Even though God, we just killed did. George, we just ran through George Lopez last week, but The Office. Why
1: George Lopez?
0: And we, we were on Peacock, and we were just like, "Oh, George Lopez is on Peacock," so we just yeah. ran through it. it's like, especially because my wife is my wife is Mexican, and I'm I'm Cuban, I'm half Cuban, so it's just like. It's just funny like it's just that's their dynamic. So like it's just funny to bring like to watch it from our, you know, from the couch. It's pretty funny.
1: We're in that same age group because you're only a year older than me. And when I, I would always remember you would watch like I think I was when we were young, probably like fifth, sixth grade, maybe. And you mm-hmm. had like Nickelodeon on or something. And then you yeah. would fall asleep and you would wake up and you're
0: like, like the and you see them was... jumping up and down on the street. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know why. I always remember that because I fell asleep, and then you would wake up, and like your that yeah, was your alarm clock
0: at three like, o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it was
1: um, weirdest baseball superstition that you have or you've seen in person.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily a superstition, if it, or if it just became a habit. But I played with a guy named Ray Black, who was with the Giants for a long time. I played with him in Milwaukee, and. uh, Every time, he, every time he would get called up in the pen, he would take Red Hot, like the rub, rub it on his elbow, rub it on his shoulder, and then he would take the excess and rub it into his beard and then stuff it up his nose. Like, that dude was a savage. And I, he's, I love the guy to death, but he's like, it was, like, we had one game in Milwaukee, the phone rang for him three times. <laughs> So it was like three times he loaded up on Red Hot on the shoulder, the elbow, the shoulder, the face, and the nose. It was like, dude. He's like, yeah, I can't smell anything. Like, it's gone. Like, I can't smell anything anymore. So that guy that's cannot probably the, the sniff craziest. anything these days. No, he's not smelling a thing.
1: <laughs> All right. This one might be tough for you because you've played in a few spots. You've played with a lot of teammates, but mm-hmm. you got you got to try. So, who is the one player? that you've played with or against that's left you thinking like holy shit that guy is the best i've ever seen Ooh,
0: that's a good one um it's tough you played with a lot of good players best i've ever seen wow um Honestly, like, probably Trey Turner. I witnessed him in 2014. He got so we were in low A, and he had just got drafted. Went straight to uh, Fort Wayne with the Padres. He almost beat out a ground ball to the pitcher. Like, wow. And I was I was charging at home plate, and I can't remember who was throwing, but it was like a and it was a hard chopper. It was like hit hard back to the pitcher. I'm like, oh, cool. Easy, you know, mark it down 1 3. And I look up and he's like, it was like that at first base. It was like, dude. And then just playing against him and watching him over the years, it's like, I don't know if there is a more toolsy player in the big leagues. Like, and just, and that's not a a knockdown, a knock or anything, because there are guys that are toolsy that just can't put it together. This dude is, he's fast. He's got range in the infield. He's got, crazy pop of the plate like he's i've heard he's just a genuinely great guy to be around like that's probably my pick nobody's gonna argue with you about that pick i mean
1: he's incredible to watch um i need a guilty pleasure of
0: jake faria <laughs> guilty pleasure oh no um i'm that i'm literally that meme of like a boyfriend or husband that like criticizes the show my wife watches and then i'm super invested (laughs) like our show is vanderpump rules you ever like ever yeah i've watched it with the i used to sit there and be like why are you watching these waiters and bartenders fight on tv and then i'm like when is the season opening like i I like i'm so invested so that's probably oh
1: I want to hit home, man that's uh my my fiance is always watching something out there, and I'll be like, why are you watching this? This is the shows dumb as I sit on this side of the couch and I'm right. started watching like twenty minutes I'm like of it. why would
0: he do that? like I'm like <laughs> super invested like we had uh, I like we've been to dinner at Sir the restaurant from that show like yeah. we've been to dinner there a bunch. we had our engagement dinner there, like it was we my wife celebrated her twenty first birthday. At the, at, you know we see people from the show in the restaurant or like like losing it like it, it's that's the guilt, that's that's probably my guilty pleasure. Oh
1: man, Taiwan hits home. I'm going to make sure the fiance does not hear that cuz I'm like don't see how to She she like calls me out on it too and she's like well she's like why are you criticizing it? You're you're invested now. I'm like oh, come on. Yeah. Like, just teetering that line, but all right. right. This one's an important one, Jake. I need uh, your favorite fast food fried chicken chain.
0: Raising Cane's. I don't like, I love Chick-fil-A. Don't get me wrong. But a good like box combo from Raising Cane's. And like, I get extra, I get, if I am feeling a sandwich, I, get, I just get extra Texas toast and I just make a sandwich out of it. Like
1: that's probably my favorite. Can I interest you in Zaxby's.
0: I've had Zaxby's before. Um, okay. The the toughest thing about Zaxby's is we don't have it out here. Um, Yeah, you know, Raising Cane's you can get you can get Raising Canes everywhere. I'm pretty sure everywhere. Like I had it last year in Worcester, and um, like we're just outside of Worcester. But like you're able to go anywhere and get it. Zaxby's is just harder to get to. Yeah, but I I I say that in and out. It's my favorite burger. You can only get it on the West Coast and then in Texas. Like so, I don't know. But Raising Cane's is my favorite.
1: All right, while we're on the chicken kick here, are you a drums or flat guy?
0: Flats. They rip one bone out and it just comes off easy.
1: Okay, okay. What's your go-to pregame snack?
0: <laughs> uh, this year was the Uncrustables. This last season, like, I, we had a doubleheader, ga- like, one day. I had three uncrustables in the first game, and then I pitched, and then the next game I had like four, but so like I had like seven. I had like seven or eight uncrustables in one day. Um, it was it, it got it got to a point where like it became a thing in the clubhouse. It was like if people saw me without one in my hand, something was wrong. Like I always, I just I crushed them. It was really really bad. Who was the I'm other player,
2: in- Andrew? That that said that too. They said the uh, uncrustables. Who was the other player? I could not tell you. it's it was pretty positive some of the woosoks too i can't remember
1: couldn't tell you the nutritionist probably didn't like you though for that
0: but she (laughs) she would see me eating it she's like let's try to find a healthier alternative i'm like no i'm okay (laughs) i'll put healthy food around the uncrustables but i'm still going to eat uncrustables."
2: so actually while we're on the food kick You've been in a handful of clubhouses. How would you rate the food that the Woo Sox provided to you guys in the clubhouse pre and post to other markets you've been in?
0: Um, on the minor league side, or just like overall?
2: On the minor league side.
0: Okay, because there's some <laughs> there's some big league spreads that not good. Um, but uh, it was pretty good. Uh, the snack selection was good. The the actual like. The pre and post game food is pretty good. Um, You know, it was. It was more than edible, so it was was good.
1: (laughs) I'm assuming Uh, you've heard some. uh,
0: Having been around when like the clubhouse standards like clubhouse standards did not exist, like it was like it was a free for all. (laughs) It was pretty good Worcester's pretty good. Okay, fair. I
1: had one last food-related one on the the speed run here. What's the worst topping to put on a pizza? Uh,
0: I mean, I I don't eat anchovies at all. <laughs> like I've tried it once and I cannot do it. But a lot of people like people love to hate on pineapple on pizza. I don't I don't eat pineapple on pizza, but I don't I don't not like it probably anchovies i can't stand anchovies on pizza it's the second
1: episode in a row nick mears did the same thing and chris was like never had one before he's like have you ever just poured a bunch of salt on your tongue and just like yeah i don't know <laughs> just like <laughs> experience like, that no, so, man, I have,
2: nope.
0: literally like like take a swig of some ocean like some seawater and that's it like that's pretty much what you're eating <laughs>